that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound and be overflowing, bubbling over with hope. We're the most hopeful people in here in South Dakota. Well, the other Christians too. But the Christians are the most hope because we've got hope for this life, but we've got hope for eternal life. We're, we're, we're not going to die. We're just going to pass off, uh, off from this scene into a place that's perfect, that has no pain, no sorrow, no heartache, and we're just going to move on up. It's the old uh, TV uh, sitcom used to say, we're moving up to the west side, I think it was. Well, we're moving up. We're moving up. When life here ceases, life continues there. So I, I just want to share with you several excerpts from other translations the God who inspires or produces the Christian hope. Now the God of hope. All joy and peace. If they were filled with this, there would be no strife and contention. One of the tragic things is that strife can become, even in the church, over things that, you know, we don't want it this way. We don't want it that way. Somebody else don't want it this way. Somebody else don't want it. And so there becomes a, a, a clash of wills. But when we understand that, like our sister led us this morning, I surrender all. Even my opinions, even my desires, even my the thoughts that I think are so important, I surrender over to him and I yield to his will. And so then in believing, the effects of believing is to produce this joy and peace. Actually, I'm giving a little explanation of every one of these phrases. And then the phrase that ye, that ye may abound, that your hope may be steadfast and strong. How? Because of us? No, through the power of the Holy Spirit. By the means of powerful operation of the Holy Spirit, it is by his power alone that the Christian has hope this morning. It's him, it's Jesus. It's all about Jesus, folks. That's what Christianity is. It's all about Jesus and what he does in our lives and how he moves within us to conform us to the image of his son because he loves us. Oh, thank God for that love on this wonderful Father's Day. We have the love of the Father who loved us so much when we were so unworthy, so undone, so unclean, so impure. He sent his perfect son to pay for our sin that we might be made whole. Now, one of the most misunderstood, and I was looking for a clock up there. No clock up there. Well, look at your arm. That's why I wear a big one so I can see it. One of the most misunderstood and overlooked concepts in Christianity is the idea of hope. Without hope, we can't live a fulfilled life. And we can't effectively share the love of God with others without hope. People commit suicide because they lose hope. Depression comes as a result of hopelessness. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, hope is such a powerful force that it is listed by the Apostle Paul along with faith and love. It says, and now abideth faith, hope, love, and these three, but the greatest of these is love. But notice what's in the middle of the sandwich, hope, 
faith, but right there in the middle is love. Hope can be eclipsed by the love and overshadowed by the popular emphasis on faith. But hope is a connector between faith and love. Faith produces hope. Hope enables love. It's a connection. It all flows together. In Proverbs 10, 28, the King James Version says, The hope of the righteous shall be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. The hope of the righteous shall be glad. Oh, sure, we're going to be glad when we get there. And we're, you know, we're dancing on streets of gold and, and all of that good stuff that awaits us. But I believe God wants to produce that in the body of Christ right here while we're walking through the mud, while we're facing difficulties that are almost about to wa- knock us over and wipe our faith out. But there's hope in us that Jesus is on the throne and he will see his children through we may go through it but notice I said we may go through it why because our hope and our faith is in Jesus Christ oh amen I don't mind if you say amen hallelujah I'm used to preaching to a bunch of wild folks so if you want to get a little wild go ahead amen we're in the father's house it ain't your house it isn't pastor Tom's house this is the father's house and we can celebrate the father on this Father's Day because of all he's provided for us. Is that okay? Yeah. I'm looking at you men. I want you to say amen to that poor old woman. Help her, Jesus. Yeah, come on. Amen. Thank you, brother. Hallelujah. Without hope, we have no joy. Without joy, we have no strength. That's the scripture. Without hope, we give up and say, what is the use? Without hope, faith has nothing to materialize. Now I want us to go to Romans chapter 5. And I want to read several verses there. Actually, just two, I think. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our, our, our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. In one translation puts that, we, he, Christ has brought us into this place of highest privilege. <laughs> oh, I know we're humble, you know. We, well, the Bible says to humble ourselves and we're to be humble. But I want us to understand our privilege is in Christ this morning. We stand in a place of security because of him. He's brought us into this place of highest privilege. What's the privilege? Our Father, which art in heaven. 
We have a relationship because Christ has brought us into this relationship. I didn't get there by myself. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I was a sinner. I was on my way to hell. But Jesus Christ tapped on a little farmer girl's life and he said, I think I want you because I see some possibility in you to make you more than a milker of cows and a herder of sheep. Come on. And he brings us into this place of highest privilege where we now stand. We're there. I'm not striving. You're not striving to get there. We're there because he brought us and we will never get there any more than we are right now with all of our warts and our imperfections and our problems. We still are in that place of highest privilege. Oh, we're privileged characters this morning. You know, it isn't PC politically correct. It's PCHHP highest privilege. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You see, I get sometimes excited, but that's okay. Before our salvation, we stood with Adam. We were condemned. And Christian, get over feeling condemned all the time. I gotta repent, I gotta repent. Well, repent, get over it, move forward. And I believe in repentance. Please don't misunderstand me. But in Christ, we have a perfect standing before God and can enter into his presence. Before I ever got saved, I went to a little Pentecostal church in my hometown of Blunt. Now it's not dull. Blunt, South Dakota, about 98 miles from here, 89 miles maybe. I had gone to my church. I had felt nothing. I'd been out drunk the night before. I went to my church. Maybe I felt a hangover. I don't know. But I went to this little Pentecostal church. It was the old dance hall. Nothing pretty about it. Ugly benches. It smelt a little bit, even though the pastor had tried to spray some stuff around to make it smell, smell better. Windows were broken. It wasn't a pretty place at all. And I love the beauty of this church. Don't, don't, don't ever misunderstand what I'm saying. But I went there. A bunch of us teenagers went and we lined up on a bench on the side because for the dance they had benches on the side. Well, for church they put some in the middle. Well, we were still in, you know, dance mode. So we were sitting on the side and they had communion. We had communion at our church that morning and I took it. It's no big deal. But what they and they said anybody's welcome if you if you know Jesus you know we're we're this is not a closed communion anybody can take communion, and so they graciously they knew we were unsaved, because it was a small church, small town. They knew we were a bunch of rascals, if women can be rascals. <laughs> but anyway, they they passed them before us. And all of a sudden, I felt something I'd never felt in all my life. I felt 
I couldn't even explain it. But I knew if I reached out to take those emblems, something would probably strike me dead because I knew I was unworthy. I hadn't accepted his atonement for my sin. I was a sinner, and I did what sinners did. I sinned, and I was pretty good at it. All of a sudden, as they passed it by, this presence came. I'd never felt anything in anything I had put into my body, any experience I had. I had never felt anything like it. And, and later the pastor told me, that was just the presence of God, the presence of the Almighty. And I tell you, folks, it's the highest privilege to sit here in this room this morning and sense the presence of my Almighty God. He's brought us into a place of highest privilege, and he comes in tabernacles with us and he meets with us and from our praise and worship he sends arrows of healing and victory oh thank you Jesus therefore brethren Hebrews tells us therefore brethren having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he concentrates consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God let us draw near and I'm glad it just isn't in, in church I'm glad that that presence began to convict me Begin until I went to a fellowship meeting and I got saved youth rally actually and got saved that presence has never left Sometimes I really feel him. Sometimes I just walk by faith. You know it. Sometimes he comes and he showers his love on us and we feel like we're engulfed in something beyond our, our ability to explain what it is or how, what we feel. But other times we just get up in the morning and it looks dismal outside and we don't feel so hot on the inside. But we just take that step. Jesus, I love you. I know that you're here. Even though I can't sense your presence like I want to, I know you're here. That's faith, hope. When I first got here, I didn't know anybody. I knew nine people in town. Didn't know anybody else. I'd sit there in that little apartment and I'd think, man, I'm the only one in the world. I knew that wasn't true. I was having a little pity party. Now, I know you, you, holy, you holy ones would never do that. I'm the only one. I'm, I'm the only one here. Nobody knows. Oh, my family does, but nobody else knows. I, you see, I'd left the church where I was pastoring, sometimes up to 100 people. Now here I am, hearing, hiding behind the old mall. <laughs> and all of a sudden, that one that brought me and you into this place of highest privilege would remind me, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. Oh, it's all right then. As long as he's here, because he's, he's our hope, he's our joy, he's our peace. And he says to draw near unto him. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. 
and having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with clear blood. Because of him we can draw near. Now let's go back to Romans chapter three, 5, or verse 3. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. <laughs> Aren't you glad you heard that this morning? How many got a trial? Well, jump up and shout. Woo, I got a trial. <laughs> no, yeah, boy, it's really hard being a Christian. <laughs> I attacked that statement many, many times. My worst day as a Christian is still better than my best day as a sinner. Amen. That's all right. Give the Lord applause. He's the one that makes it so. Hallelujah. Thank you for those scattering applauses. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strength strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And listen to this now. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know, for we know how dearly God loves us. We're just God's little dearlies this morning. And when we go is was given in the message in tongues in the interpretation as he arrests us it's not to hurt us it's to help us there's something wrong he c convicts us he doesn't judge us with anger and that stern you know you've seen that stern face of someone when they're getting in your face and they're telling you he doesn't do that. He says, I want to change you in that area. Because it's keeping you from the fullness of my benefits. From the fullness of my provision. So he, he dearly loves us. You get to feeling unloved. And a lot of these people that commit suicide, and suicide is on the rise. It's amazing the statistics on how suicide has risen in 2017 from what it was a number of years ago. And, of course, having worked for many, many years in native land, I understand suicide is prominent and prevalent. But we see it in all of our society now. And, and the hope in Jesus Christ will not lead to disappointment because we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts. We're full of God this morning. <laughs> what are you full of? <laughs> well, don't tell me. <laughs> We're full of God. You say, you're getting a little presumptuous, aren't you? No, I'm not. I'm telling you the truth. Because when we repented, God moved in. Hallelujah. The devil moved out. All of that stuff, unlike God, moved out. If it hasn't, he's, he's moving it out as we draw near to him. Hallelujah. Moving day. Okay, now I'm getting to my really main point. <laughs> yeah. Because of Christ... We have a basis of expectation of hope because our hope is centered in him. 
The world's cheap substitute for hope is wishful thinking. Yeah. As I hope it rains this week. Well, it rained last night, so I'm a little bit behind time here. The hope the world has doesn't come from faith in God. And so consequently, disappointments could come. As a result of the hope that we had, that we thought was going to happen, that we were hoping for, that we were wishfully thinking for, thinking for doesn't happen. Hope in the New Testament, the Christians can have a white, hot, intensive expectation. White hot's hotter than red hot. White hot. Intensive expectation. Psalmist 42 says, in verse 5 says, um, declared our hope in God, which is a call to an active faith, which expects God to help. Hope means to have a joyful expectancy or to have a pleasurable anticipation. Don't you just, when you're anticipating something fun, something you're going to do, maybe uh, some of you with children that are away off and, and it's a good relationship. Sometimes it's hard when you start dealing with family relationships, but it's a good relationship and you know they're coming home. And my little niece and her children came this summer and I hadn't seen them for years. And uh, she has twin girls and two boys and Boy, I was anticipating it. It was pleasurable just to think Marcy's coming home, bringing her kids. She lives in Alabama. And I missed the trip to go to Alabama because I'm going on a missions trip next week. So I missed the opportunity to go see them. But it was anticipation that filled my heart with pleasure. That's the hope that God gives. Fills our heart with pleasure. Joyce Meyer said, it's a positive expectation of something good happening in your future. Someone has said, hope is faith holding out its hand in the dark. <laughs> You've been there. I've been there. Micah chapter 7, verse 7, how the Amplified says, But as for me, I will look to the Lord, and confident in him, I will keep watch. I will wait with hope and expect expectancy for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. We wait with hope and expectancy. Listen, folks, when we pray, do we expect God to do something? When we pray, do we go away from that place? Oh, man, God heard my prayer, and I'm expecting God to act. I'm expecting God to do something. I can't do it. I can't change this situation. I can't solve this problem, but I'm expecting God to come on the scene and do something because my hope and my faith is centered in him. Oh, man, white hot expectancy. I was preaching about expectation. I preached a lot about that because I believe we need to expect. As I mentioned to the, it was in little Boston, Washington on the, on the uh, reservation there, a little town just off the uh, Puget Sound. And I was preaching and I said, you know what, folks, we need to get pregnant with God's dreams and visions. 
And I kind of think you have a pastor like that. I mean, his, his vision and his dreams challenges me. I love to hear him preach. I love to sit under his ministry because I never leave here but what I'm challenged. And I preached longer than he's probably, well, no, probably not. I preached almost 50 years across this nation. But I never leave that man's service without going home with a challenging thought and something stirring in my spirit that has come from the man of God who is full of vision and dreams and expectation and God is calling this body to move with him and to get involved with his dream to get involved with his expectation now brother Tom if you should have somebody tell you this that was free <laughs> but I, I, I said we need to get pregnant we need to expect, you know, when, when a woman's going to have a baby, she's expecting. She's there, there's something going to happen, and they make plans for what's going to happen. They get the, the, the room ready, the bed, the, the diapers, and, and all that stuff that goes along with having a new baby, and they're, they're excited. What, when's it going to be born? When's it due? How, how many more days you got? Man, you look like it could be tomorrow. Oh, no, I got two more weeks. They're expecting. What are, we, what are you expecting God to do? Do it, Brother Tom. Do it, Brother Mark, or that other guy's name, John, Brother John. <laughs> you know, I got a good memory. It's just about that long. <laughs> if you expect me to remember your name, sorry, disappointed you. What are you expecting? What are you expecting God to do in your family? What are you expecting God to do in Huron? Well, I'm happy. I'm going to church. Pastor Tom preaches me a good message. Those musicians, my, they can sing and they can do all kinds of good stuff. I'm just sitting there enjoying myself. But the Spirit of God, I noticed on one of those calendars it had for this morning, we were to go fishing. So we're going fishing right now. What are you doing? What are you expecting to catch? What are you planning on catching? What are you getting ready for? What are you anticipating? As an individual, I preached on that in, in uh, that little town I was telling you about, little Boston, among the Kalalam native people. And uh, that afternoon, one of the 80-year-old mothers, her daughter called and said, Mama, how are you? Mama said, I'm pregnant. <laughs> It was dead silence. All of a sudden, the girls, girl said, what? And mama went on to explain she was pregnant with what God was endeavoring to do. We need to get a hold of God's visions, God's dreams, God's plan, and move forward with him. Hope means something so big in you that you can't wait till it takes place. I'm believing God for certain things. I know I didn't move to South Dakota just because it was a good idea. I moved to South Dakota in the divine will and plan of God, and I'm expecting God in response to 
obedience and faith to move on the sea and do some of those things I've been praying about for years. I'm expecting it. I'm pregnant with it. I can feel it on the inside of me that God is on the move and God is going to do something. It seems impossible. When I first got here, I discovered I was having physical problems. And I didn't have enough energy to do nothing. I came to church and I would say amen once in a while, but that was about it. I really didn't try to get acquainted. I didn't really try to get involved with anything because I just didn't have the energy. But then all of a sudden, this just happened about two weeks ago. God began to talk to me. (laughs) God began to talk to me. He said, Marlene, he knows my name. (laughs) I'm known by Shirley, and I'm known by Marlene in this town. Shirley with all the medical stuff, Marlene with just uh, ordinary folks. You can call me Marlene. (laughs) He said, Marlene, you have been paying too much attention to what you can see with your eyes and hear with your ears instead of the promise of my word. Wow, I I repented, Brother Mark. I repented. Lord, I'm sorry. I've been a strong preacher of faith and a strong preacher of joy and victory. All my years looking into the faces of people that was going through things that probably many of you don't even know about. I'd preach that, and I'd go home, and I'd say, God, I can't say that. I can't preach that. Look at that. Look at that. Look at this. And I'd name different things. He said, it's not what you see with your eyes, but what you see in the invisible world. And that's where it's at, folks. I expect the invisible promises of God. Now they're there. We can read them. We can talk about them. But they are invisible until they are manifested in our life, until they are manifested through whatever our need is. And then it becomes visible. And then it becomes a testimony. Look what the Lord has done. Oh, hallelujah. Look what the Lord has done. And I repented and I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I believe your word for healing I'm not going to talk about what that doctor said I'm not going to talk about this or that I'm not depending on upon those machines I'm not depending upon those pills although I believe and I'm willing to do that stuff I'm, I don't really believe in it but I'm willing to do that stuff but my belief is in you God you're going to give me a new heart You're going to kill this stuff that's in my body that has no right to be there because I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost. I have a white hot expectancy that one of these days I'm going to be able to run up and down this platform, run up and down the front. I love to preach down there and look you in the eyeball and spit on you a little bit. But I'm a little bit leery of coming down here. Unless I could get one of these men to stand here like a statue, hold out their arm, you know. White hot expected. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I, 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 I was thinking this morning before I came over, I almost got here late because I was preaching this sermon to myself. 
That's a pretty good audience. <laughs> and I was thinking down there in Albuquerque, I lived about f- five minutes from Walmart. Of course, here you live five minutes from everything. <laughs> but I would go down to Walmart and I'd usually park where there was a sidewalk because I could remember I parked by the sidewalk. You know, you get busy in there, you get your mind on things, sometimes you forget where you park. So I'd always park by a sidewalk. Sometimes it'd be a little walk to the door. And those younger generation would come whipping by me. I'd think, you little whippersnapper. I can keep up with you. So here I'd go, hurrying, you know, fast as a woman my size and age can hurry. <laughs> Don't anybody say, ooh. But I never caught him. But then I would stop and remind myself, I did that. There was a time when I could do that. There was a time when I could walk as fast as anybody. I could play ga- uh, uh, athletic games as, as well as anybody in the country. I was a good softball player. I was a good basketball player. I never had tried football or hockey or some of those really rough games, but I, I could do it. And I'd, I'd, I'd watch my, uh, some of the kids from the church out there playing. I did that. I did that. Now I'm in another season. And we embrace the seasons of our lives. I don't like getting old. You know, I don't like not being able to run up and down these steps. I don't like having to do some of the things that, no, I'm not talking about any other mature person in this building. I'm just talking about me. I go down to the nurses and I say, well, I, uh, you're, you're one of your matures is here. <laughs> But we feed on the faithfulness of how God has prepared us for this time. One day I said to that young lady, she was tearing by me, I said, slow down. I want to keep up with you. She just smiled. She probably thought, oh, lady, go back to wherever you belong. (laughs) But I have an expectancy I'm going to speed up my walk sometimes I almost feel like I'm going backwards you know I'm moving forward but I I feel like I'm going so slow I'm moving backwards I'm going to speed up why because there's a white hot expectancy that the latter end of my ministry is going to be as exciting and as powerful as the many years that I've already put into it which we've seen many healed many delivered many things happen but I'm not old and sitting on the shelf I'm expecting some marvelous things to happen on the Navajo reservation next week and I'm expect- expecting some great things in Apache land because God is the same no matter if we're speeding down the street in our, in our tennis shoes walking fast like that younger generation does or we're just kind of walking along thankful that we're even moving. God has a plan and a purpose 
What's your expectancy? I don't know what you'll get out of this message. Hopefully something. Maybe nothing more than the scriptures. But maybe you'll go home pregnant. What happened to you in church this morning? I got pregnant. Yeah. Uh-huh. Tell me about it. The Spirit of the Lord came upon me and birthed in me a holy thing, a vision, a dream of what he wants to do through my life. Not necessarily behind the pulpit, but in my, through my life in touching my unsaved family and my unsaved neighbors. White hot expectancy. We have faith in God to do what he promised and we can be absolutely sure that he will. So our hopes are not idle hopes when built on the solid foundation of his trustworthiness. It's his trustworthiness. God is faithful. We sing about it. Do we believe it? When we're out there and the rubber meets the road... The bills are coming due. Maybe, maybe that don't happen in hearing. I spent the last 44 years with people that had problems with that. What do you do then? When the cupboard's bare. The doctor said there's no hope. What do you do then? Do you still believe in spite of what is being said in the natural world, that God is still able to do, bring about his will. Psalms 119, 114, you are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. His word never fails. His word is true. Any word that he's given you, he wants to bring it to pass as you hold steady in faith and hope. And I'm, I'm going to close up pretty soon here. I just wanted to give you all some hope. Maybe 20 minutes, but I wanted to give you all some hope. <laughs> I was reminded of being up in Alaska among the native tribe there. We were preaching a camp meeting on, uh, oh, I should have written it down, on, on one of the rivers up there. The only way you could get there was by boat. It was 15 miles, 15, it was 25 minutes from the closest little community. So we, they would come in from all over. They'd line up the banks of the river with uh, boats. It was kind of a novelty for us, kind of fun. And uh, one night a group came from one of the communities nearby, and there was a man and his wife and he had agreed to come with her. He was backslidden. And oh, she wanted him to come to the altar so bad, so bad, so bad. She just wept and mourned over the fact that he didn't respond. Well, we went to that little village. They came to, came to uh, church on three wheelers. <laughs> That's fun. No dog sleds, just three wheelers. Or walked. And this couple came, and I'll never forget him coming to the altar, and he repented. He asked Jesus into his life and laid down his drugs and 
all that stuff. And his wife told us how mean he was and how difficult their life was. But the last night of the revival, here was, I think I wrote his name down, Francis and Eileen. They were standing over here. Francis was the man. His mother was standing with him. Their children, they would get on that three-wheeler, about six kids, and mom and dad and grandma. And they were standing there, weeping, crying out to God. And we talked to Eileen later, and we said, hey, what's happened this week? We were there from Sunday to Sunday. What's happened this week? She said, well, you know, he's been changing every night. He's a little different. He's been changing a little bit. And this morning, we felt love for each other again. And I thought, how did that happen? And the Holy Spirit said, the word, the word that was full, preached full of faith and full of joy was changing that man. And, and the pastor came over and said, they've never stood that close together in years. What's going on? And here they were over in the corner of the vestibule just kind of hugging each other. What does that? The Word and the Spirit. The Word and the Spirit. You say, well, yeah, that's good. You're an evangelist. That happened because you were. No, it happens because we live the Word and we declare the Word and we share the Word. Right in our immediate situation or location. There's a scripture in Jeremiah that says, Thus saith the Lord, Reframe your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work shall be rewarded, saith the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. And in this 17th verse, There is hope in your future, says the Lord, that your children shall come back to their own border. I know no, 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 nobody real well here. I know uh, Mark and, excuse me, honey, but I forgot your name. They've been befriended me. A friend back here, a few of you I've gotten acquainted with. But I don't know what your family life is like for anybody. But remember that scripture. Take it. Reach out and grab it like we were told to do this morning through various means. There is hope in your future, says the Lord, that your children shall come back to their own border. And what is their border? Your household? No. Their border is a relationship with Jesus Christ that is centerfold in your life. You can believe that your children and your grandchildren will come back to that relationship. Hallelujah. Oh, man, I, I got a note from somebody the other day. I, get a lot, I do a lot of phone counseling from people on the reservation. Got somebody, oh, my son, my son. I tried to challenge her, believe God that he's going through this right now, but pray and believe that he's coming back to God. 
So I said, when my son returns to his border, <laughs> when my son returns to God, not lament the way they are, but begin to rejoice in what you're believing them to become. Hallelujah, children of God, washed in the blood, followers of Jesus Christ, servants of the Most High God, living in obedience to his word, and you rejoice, and they look at you when you're not weeping over them anymore, but you're rejoicing over them because you see what they're going to be instead of what they are because you're looking through the word of faith. Hallelujah. Well, y'all are looking at me. Maybe nobody here has kids. <laughs> Maybe that was the wrong, wrong, wrong thing, Lord. I don't know. Hope involves an understanding of the future. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace. And not of evil. How many hundreds of times have you heard that? To give you a future and a hope. God never plans evil or hopelessness for his people. His ultimate plan is to give us eternal life with him in heaven. I started out talking about that. Where pain and sorrow and suffering are gone, gone forever. But until then... Until then. Remember the song? Until then. But until then, I will declare the words of Jesus that he came, that we may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. I used to wonder how I could carry a burden for the lost. And still have that full life. It's only through Jesus. Because even in the midst of our tears as we weep over the lost. Because we're to do that. As we weep over the lost. We do it with an eye of hope. That God is going to swoop down. And draw them unto himself. And they shall be saved. Greatest hope of all. I mentioned it already, so we won't tarry there. But the greatest hope of all is our blessed hope. Jesus is coming. We get so busy with life that sometimes we forget. He's coming. It could be today. Any ordinary day, we're going about our normal business, scrubbing our floors doing our job, whatever it might be. And all of a sudden, there will be a blast. <laughs> eee, wow. And the ear of faith will hear that blast. And we will be caught up together with those who have risen from the grave. We'll be caught up together to be with the Lord forever. You think you got a future? I got a future. I'm planning to go to New Mexico. Be there about three weeks, three weekends. Do some preaching. Also do some visiting with some of my best friends. Playing Janet, I'm going to play hand and foot. That's right. That's on my schedule. I'm going to do lots of things. But should he come before then, I say, welcome, Jesus. Welcome, Jesus. 
We don't think of it as an escape from the troubles here. We think of it as a rejoicing because we will be entering into the presence of the one. Want to be something to look in Jesus' eyes. One one reason I like to get down on the platform, off the platform, I like to look in people's eyes. Forget the spitting and all that stuff. I just joke about that. See your eyes. One day we're going to look him eyeball to eyeball. What are we going to see? We're going to see love. No condemnation, no guilt. Just love. Flowing from him. But by the eye of faith, we can see it now. Jesus loves us. Sometimes that's a concept for people find hard to believe. Jesus loves us. We say it. Yeah, he loves me. But way down deep in here, Jesus cares. And Jesus loves you. And he loves all of the people who are even unsaved. But he loves us in a different way because we have come into relationship with him. He loves us with that love that is agape love, filial love, the different loves. Thank him for it. Well, I preach long enough. Well, yeah, I just, it tells me on this sheet I'm supposed to be through. Oh, it didn't say when I was supposed to be through. It just told me when to start, so let's go again. <laughs> it's Father's Day. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. But, but this burns within my spirit. I, I preach a lot about hope. A lot of this with things that I have mentioned before in other places, but a lot of it was stuff that's just been happening in my life in recent weeks. Go home full of hope. I, I was amused, not amused, thankful when uh, Brother John mentioned hope this morning. Because I was still thinking maybe I should give it to you fathers. <laughs> if I would have, I would have just preached about Joseph as an example to the fathers. But I felt strongly about this business of hope. Hope for your children. Hope for your physical body. I got hope. And all this junk I have to do now, I'm not going to have to keep doing it. And it's going to happen before I get over there. Look at those pills and, you know, thank you, Lord. Let them do their job quickly. Quickly. Get me out of this. <laughs> Rescue me. And I, and I know that there's a lot of things that happen just because our bodies mature. And I'm trying to accept that as a, this season of my life. Uh, I, I reminded myself of the other day. I wanted to do something and I wasn't able to do it. But there's hope even in that. Let's, well, he told me I could close. Now, I'm, I, he told me I could turn it to one of the men, but I've only preached a couple of times in my life, so I, 
closed a few services, so I think I'll do what I feel like the Spirit is asking to be done. So let's stand together, please. And Tom gave me that, Pastor Tom gave me that uh, authority. He told me I could do that if I felt so good. And I, I'm, I don't know, I know, I, I, I just feel like I would like to ask all the fathers to come. Are there any fathers here? <laughs> Hello, do you need a little boost to your hearing? <laughs> I, I love to tease. I love to, and I find it comes out in my preaching sometimes. It's okay, all the fathers. It leaves some of us out because we're not fathers. <laughs> that would be great. Oh, thank you. I had a man at the church in Albuquerque that would always come and help me off the platform because I fell off him at one time. No, that's really, so I just pretended like I'd been slaying in the spirit. Hey, <laughs> why not? I was taking advantage. No, I didn't do that. I didn't do that at all. But I did fall. And so then Brother Frank was always there to help me down because we didn't have any railings there either. I want to pray for you, Father. Is that okay? However, I think I need to do something more. Family, wives, come and stand with your husband. This business of being Christians is family. And I love the men here who lead so strongly in this church. I, I was reminded of a little lady in one of the churches in uh, uh, Littlefield, Texas. She'd get up testify, and she said, I love everybody. I just love everybody. And then she'd end up by saying, especially the men. <laughs> well, we love everybody. We love everybody. So I'm going to ask you wives, or if there's another family member here, that wants to come, you feel free to do so. Just come and stand with your family. Sweet Spirit of God, just sweep across us. Calm and settle down upon us. Lord, you, don't, you never condemn us. Sometimes in our exuberance as preachers, we almost sound like we're making light or condemning. But we don't feel that way, Lord. Just sweep across these men and women and their families with your gracious love and compassion right now. Lord, begin with our family over here. It's such an encouragement while I preach, brother. I might... Take you, with, take you guys with me so I'll have somebody say amen down there. <laughs> but God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Okay, let's, let's pray. Father in heaven, the greatest joy of our life is to call you Father. Because you're such a good father. Some of us didn't have dads that were so great. 
But you are our Father. You never fail us. You never forsake us. You never turn a deaf ear to us. But you are always available. 24 hours a day, you're alert. You stand guard over us. We love you today. We love you, Father. I love you, my Father. Thank you for the love of Jesus. It has come to redeem us and bring us back into this relationship with you. And Father, I pray for every family, every father. I pray that you will make them the priest of their home if they're not already. Let them be the voice of your spirit speaking through them to their family. Lord, we pray that you will strengthen the father relationship, the husband and wife relationship. Lord, minister and let, let there be just such a openness to the will of God, to the plan of God for their, their particular family. Lord, may they lead that family in family devotions and in praise and worship. And when trouble comes, may they not look to the, the trouble, but may they look to the invisible promise of God. It said, I will never leave you. I will show myself strong on your behalf. I will watch over you in the night seasons, in the seasons of darkness, in the seasons of difficulty. You are there. I pray for these, God. I pray that we will grasp hold of hope and faith. And I pray for the, uh, the ones that didn't, uh, weren't able to respond to this uh, altar, probably because their husbands have already gone on to their reward. Or, or maybe like me, they didn't have a husband to have come forward that I might stand with. But Lord, we stand with you right now in absolute confidence that you love us, that you will work on our behalf. And I pray a blessing upon uh, uh, here in First Assembly, the people here, the, the ones that are here like a single person like I am, the one who are widows or widowers or whatever the case might be. We all are important. We all are important to the accomplishment of that habitation of God that you're building. We each contribute our own abilities in our own possibilities. Now, Lord, give us white hot expectation. That that prayer we've been praying and asking prayer for for weeks on end, that that will be fulfilled. It will come to pass because you're not a God who has deaf ears, but you're a God who is moved by the feelings of our infirmities. Lord, bless, bless Pastor Tom and his wife and family as they're on vacation. Give them a really good time just a fun time. And I thank you for his vision. I thank you for his dreams. And I pray that you will help all of us to put our hand to the plow, not looking back, but looking forward.
in anticipation and excitement. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Oh, say it like you mean it. Amen.